You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's December 27th. Today, we're wrapping up the year at RAND by highlighting our most popular research projects of 2019. Deanna and I will be discussing the top five on this episode, but you can find the full top 10 list of research projects at rand.org slash top 10. And while you're there, check out our list of the most popular commentaries on the RAND blog and a roundup of our best videos of the year. All right, let's get started. Here are the top five most popular RAND research projects of 2019. Number five, Medicare for All. In 2019, Medicare for All was a hotly debated topic both on and off the campaign trail. Earlier this year, the New York Times asked RAND researchers and other experts to help answer a question at the heart of this debate. How might a national single-payer health care plan affect spending? Our experts produced estimates for total health expenditures under a Medicare for All plan that provides comprehensive national coverage and long-term care benefits. They found that spending would be an estimated $3.89 trillion in 2019, assuming such a plan was in place for the whole year. This would be an increase of 1.8% compared to the status quo. While 1.8% increase is a relatively small change, health spending by the federal government would increase substantially, rising by an estimated 221%. It's important to note that these estimates are based on a number of nuanced assumptions and are bound by several limitations. As study lead Jody Liu puts it, there's no one-size-fits-all single-payer plan, and it's important for policymakers to remember that there are potential winners and losers when implementing any type of single-payer plan. Number four, countering truth decay. In 2018, we published our first report on truth decay, the diminishing role of facts and analysis in American public life. We've continued researching truth decay over the last year, examining different aspects of the phenomenon to better understand it and to find ways to stop it. Here's a recap. The latest report on truth decay examined how Americans consume the news. We actually discussed this in the previous episode of Policy Currents just before the holidays, so if you missed that one, you can find it in your feed. For now, though, one key takeaway from the study is that one-third of Americans use news sources that they acknowledge are less reliable. Obviously, that has serious implications for truth decay. Yeah, definitely. And that wasn't the only truth decay report of 2019 to focus on the news. In May, we released a study that analyzed how the presentation of news has changed over the years. RAND researchers used a powerful text analysis tool to comb through thousands of newspaper articles, television reports, and online news stories from over three decades of reporting. What they found reflected what Americans already see in the media. Opinion and subjectivity are more prevalent in journalism today than in the past. But it's important to note that this change has been subtle, not wholesale, and newspapers have changed the least over time. They have largely remained grounded in traditional reporting techniques. We published yet another Truth Decay report in July. This one focused on media literacy education. 
The authors found evidence to suggest that media literacy can influence how people consume and create information. But much more research is needed to understand what methods of media literacy education are the most effective. And finally, in November, we launched a database that contains dozens of tools to fight the spread of disinformation online. If you want to get involved and do your part to fight truth decay, browsing this database is a great place to start. You'll learn more about how these tools fight disinformation, the technology that they use to do it, who funds them, and more. And if you know about a tool that's out there but isn't in our database, you can even suggest it to the research team. 2019 was obviously a pretty busy year for our Truth Decay initiative, but we're not done yet. Look for even more RAND research on this topic in 2020. In the meantime, you can learn more by visiting rand.org slash truthdecay. Number three, women in the Coast Guard. Women leave the U.S. Coast Guard at higher rates than men. Why is this? And what could the Coast Guard do to create a more supportive and equitable workplace climate? A report from the Homeland Security Operational Analysis Center, operated by RAND, aimed to find out. The study analyzed personnel data from the Coast Guard and conducted focus groups with more than a 1,000 active-duty Coast Guard women. The focus group participants highlighted concerns that fell into three key areas, work environment, career issues, and their personal lives. Some cited negative experiences with leaders, perceptions of gender bias in the workplace, and family concerns. Here's Rand's Kimberly Curry-Hall, the lead author of this study, discussing what the research reveals about how to retain more Coast Guard women. So our study recommends three key areas to improve this issue. First, to update personnel management systems. Second, to communicate relevant policies and strengthen leadership education. And third, to establish and track relevant metrics to really pay attention and monitor this issue. We were really encouraged to see that the Coast Guard set up a task force to look at these recommendations and to evaluate them and to look into implementing them. So we are very encouraged that there will be progress in this area based on the study and the Coast Guard's commitment to improving women's retention. Number two, transparency in healthcare prices. When it comes to purchasing healthcare, what is a good value? This is a difficult question to answer for those who purchase insurance plans, including employers, because they generally lack useful information about the prices that are paid to hospitals for care. A RAND analysis released in May provided data that could help. The study compared prices of nearly 1,600 hospitals across 25 states and the medical claims of more than 4 million people. The findings revealed that in 2017, prices paid to hospitals by private health plans averaged 241% of what Medicare would have paid. This suggests that employers may have opportunities to redesign their health plans to better align hospital pricing with the value of care provided to patients. For example, employers may be able to pressure health plans and hospitals to shift from the current pricing system to one that's more similar to Medicare. Employers could also encourage price transparency by participating in existing healthcare claims databases and promoting the development of similar tools. But employers might not be able to affect change on their own. They may need the help of state or federal policies to rebalance negotiating leverage between hospitals and their health plans. Number one, exploiting Russia's weaknesses. Russia is never so strong nor so weak as it appears. 
According to the authors of a RAND report published in April, this maxim is as true today as it's ever been. In the report, the researchers assess Russia's weaknesses and outline nonviolent ways for the U.S. to capitalize on them. They find that Russia remains a powerful country that manages to be a peer competitor of the U.S. in some key domains. For example, Moscow's use of information warfare and its conventional military arsenal make it a formidable opponent. But Russia suffers from many vulnerabilities, the greatest of which is its weak economy, which is relatively small and highly dependent on energy exports. Two ways the U.S. can exploit Russia's economy are broadening sanctions and expanding U.S. energy production. Here's one of the authors of this report, Howard Schatz. Expanding energy production would increase global supply, decrease prices, and therefore decrease revenue coming to Russia for its budget and for its overall economy. There are a number of further things we can do with sanctions. One is to broaden them. So sanctions right now mostly apply to oil, to some financial institutions, to people, and to defense and intelligence industries. We could broaden the sectors that are covered by sanctions. The other area is deepening them. For example, in energy, they mostly apply to deep water, to shale, and to Arctic, but we can extend those further throughout the Russian energy industry. So there are uh, things we can do. These will have costs as well on U.S. companies and European companies if we do them. That's a wrap for Policy Currents in 2019. Remember to check out the rest of our most popular research at rand.org slash top 10. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. Have a happy new year, and we'll see you in 2020.